Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. We are so glad that you're watching and listening to us here today from wherever you happen to be. If this is your first time tuning in to us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I am new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. I'm really excited about this teaching series we're going to start here today. It's called You Asked For It. And if you remember, we had cards available here in person and online for you guys who watch or listen to the podcast uh, with, with questions for you to submit that you would like answered in a teaching. You know, we really don't think about this too often, but, but many times Jesus would teach by answering questions someone in the crowd asked him. He didn't open up Galatians and start teaching from like chapter 2, okay? He flooded responses and he crafted teachings based on what people were asking him. Well, we kind of took a page from that here uh, and we said, hey, um, what are some questions that you would like answered? What are some questions you would like to see taught on? And we gave you a few weeks to turn those cards in. Now, what we did was we took those most common submissions anyway, and we kind of grouped them into categories and we turned them into three teachings we're going to walk through over the course of the next month. I'm going to get to the first topic here today in just a minute, but I want to encourage you uh, to bring some with you to church if you're watching or listening and, and you attend in person, okay? You'll want to bring someone to church with you in this series. These are questions that are going to be on the minds of more people than you realize. And as we walk through them, I really think God's going to set some folks free. If you're watching, listening online, share these teachings, share the podcast, man, with people who need to hear this stuff, all right? Now, I will tell you the most popular submission we saved for last. I've, I've taught on it before, uh, but we're, we're going to bring this teaching back again with some changes to it. And the question is, what is God's design for sexuality? Now, this is definitely a service you're going to want to bring people to in person. Uh, parents, I would say, it's not a service you want kids sitting in with you. Make sure they're definitely rating kids on that Sunday. Uh, if you're online, you want to share this podcast with somebody uh, for sure. Um, it, this is going to be a great Sunday. We're also going to highlight Chi Alpha, one of our college ministries uh, that we support. That's on the campus of Clemson University. So that's going to be a great day. Uh, that's Sunday, September 24th. Don't miss it. Don't miss any of these really. Uh, if you do miss a teaching, again, you can always go back and listen or watch it on the website or the podcast, okay? So we say the best for last. What was the second submission, the number two submission that was pretty popular? Well, no surprise for me, because I think for many people, they, they struggle with this. The number two submission, most requested topic was, how do I forgive? And, and it was really interesting to read those submissions, because some of you, like you phrased the question like, how do I forgive someone? after I've suffered a traumatic experience, you know, or, or like this one right here. Can you teach on forgiving someone who deeply harmed you? Um, here, here, here's another one. What does the Bible say about forgiving somebody? And one that got me the most, though, was this last one here. Forgiveness without reconciliation after a traumatic experience. Like, how, how do you do that? And that phrase, without reconciliation, that's pretty insightful. So we're going to talk more about this in a little bit, but I do want to address this from the very beginning here today, okay? Reconciliation implies restoring a relationship with someone who harmed you. And while we desire that for most relationships, um, you know, we want to be reconciled with, can we just acknowledge for a second that there are some you don't need to restore, right? There are some that are so toxic and so unhealthy, you probably need that space. So, uh, but how do you forgive 
forgive somebody, though, who fits that criteria? Is it even possible to forgive someone without actually reconciling with them? And we're going to answer that here today. In fact, I want to take you to Luke chapter 17 as we walk through this idea of forgiveness. Jesus is teaching to his disciples privately, and, and, and there's no crowds gathering around him. And that happens quite a bit in the Gospels. And, and, and he says this right here, Luke 17, chapter, uh, uh, verse number one. There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits that person who does the tempting? So, so in other words, there's always going to be offenses, right? There'll always be people who commit wrongs against you and against God who are going to hurt you and harm you and, and, and put pain. Like those things are going to happen in this life. Why? Because people succumb to temptation. They succumb to sin. And in doing so, they inflict harm on others. Okay. Verse number two. It'd be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. Now, Jesus here is talking not about literal children. I know that's a pretty popular takeaway from this verse, but that's not what he's talking about. He's actually using an analogy. He's equating the children of God with children, stating it would be better to you know, sleep with the fishes, okay, than for you to sin and have that harm that sin brings cause somebody else to fall away from their faith. Verse number three. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. And then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and uh, turn time and time again turns and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. So the apostles look at it and they say this, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. What a, what a, what a great, great, great statement. Show us how to increase our faith. I, I think it's interesting that this is the moment they ask that, where they ask Christ to increase their faith. They, they don't ask this anywhere else in Scripture, by the way. They don't ask it with healings or raising the dead, which I think raising the dead would probably top it. Uh, they don't ask it with casting out demons. They ask Jesus to help them increase their faith in the context of forgiving other people whose sin harms and inflicts pain on them. You know what that tells me? It tells me forgiveness is incredibly difficult to dispense to other people, and yet forgiveness is central. It's, it's at the heart of what it means to live a life for Jesus. Whether it's the small things which continually occur over time and just wear you down, or it's traumatic experiences that you've had, forgiving other people is really hard to do. And so some of you today, man, like you have a, you have a big hurt and you're in a lot of pain and maybe you've carried it for weeks, maybe you've carried it for years. Regardless, it's this unresolved hurt in your life that you haven't dealt with on a spiritual level, right? That's just eating away at you. My, my prayer for you today is that God will increase your faith as he did with the apostles, so that you may forgive. You say, how do I forgive? Well, let's start with what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. There's a lot of great sounding myths out there, which people attribute to the Bible or Jesus. You know, uh, hey, doesn't it say somewhere like in 2 Hezekiah that cleanliness is next to godliness? You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And I, I want to spell some of that for you here today with forgiveness. And I want to bring in, uh, I want to bring everything full circle at the end here by walking through like how you can actually forgive. Okay, so let's start with this first myth that forgiveness is only good when someone else deserves it. So we, we think that, you know, the conflict is so often is it between us and the other person, right? But really forgiveness has very little to do with the other person. It has a lot more to do with God and our relationship with him. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 3. 
Paul writes this, make allowance for each other's faults. Remember anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Did you catch what Paul says at the start of that verse? Make allowance for each other's faults. So in other words, give someone grace for when they harm you. Because it's not like if they're going to hurt you, it's really a matter of when they'll hurt you. Uh, I, I, I tell you, man, people who are looking for a church community that's going to be perfect, they're never going to find it. In fact, I promise folks like that, that whatever church community that they will attach themselves to, it's going to inflict hurt on you. Why? It's not because we're sadists or anything and we enjoy it. It's because we're human and we're going to hurt people. Intentionally, unintentionally, it, it happens. And when that occurs, you don't sever the relationship. Instead, give it some space. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Man, I, I kind of feel like I love some, some, some grass. I love good green grass. Anyone else mow their lawn and just really love their lawn? Like I was meticulous before I had kids. Now that I have kids, I don't have that luxury, <laughs> okay? But I use a seed spreader every spring and fall to seed my lawn. You know what that seed spreader does? It throws out grass seed everywhere, right? And it does it equally. It doesn't miss any spots. It, it throws it all out, including hitting me. And can I tell you that when you forgive, you need to forgive everyone equally who harms you. Don't withhold forgiveness from one person because they're different or you don't like them as well as the other person. Like you freely forgive as God has forgiven you. That you also have to forgive yourself. And if you can't forgive yourself, if you can't forgive others, man, well, that, 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 that's going to be a tough prison to kind of break out of. Let that forgiveness hit you first and let it set you free so that you can actually forgive people in your life who really need it. All right, what about this one? Forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain caused. Well, that's not true at all, right? Like forgiveness is hard because forgiveness is rejecting your right for repayment or vengeance. You can't really forgive someone if you minimize the hurt. In fact, I would tell you that's impossible to do. The hurt and the pain is real. It's present and there's no ignoring it. And so what true forgiveness does is it minimizes nothing, but it rejects the right to seek your own form of repayment. In Scripture, whenever there is a sin or offense committed, a debt gets established, okay? So someone has to pay. Somehow the wrong has to be made right. And when someone inflicts harm on you, you have some choices. You can get angry and demand that vengeance right away take place, right? And that often leads to emotional responses that only cause deeper harm. You can slander somebody, you know, hey, do you know what this person is really like? And, you know, you can share that kind of stuff. You can wish ill on another person. Uh, you can sue them <laughs> in our day and age. You do that. People do that a lot. Um, or you can also withdraw from them, like relationally, right? And cut all ties with them. Or you can reject your right to vengeance. Because even though vengeance seems satisfying, it doesn't actually erase the offense. The pain's still there. The trauma's still there. The brokenness is still there. And that means the debt which was established by this offense, it, I mean, it's still there too. This is why God says vengeance is His. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but He does make the claim that only He can dispense justice because our act of vengeance can never fully erase the debt that this offense incurred. It can't bring back what was lost or stolen. It can't, it can't heal. Worse, we can't measure out the right amount of justice because we aren't God. 
we don't know the other person's heart like he does. We don't know what limits, you know, we should kind of be operating in. But God, I mean, he's judge and, and we aren't and he can do this the right way. And that's why forgiveness is especially hard because it really hurts in the moment, right? Like you're wrestling with, with what the other person should be experiencing on their end. Uh, but instead, you're the one absorbing all the pain and the hurt and the brokenness. Tim Keller, who pastored many years in New York, he said it like this. Forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. Why? Because it's recognizing the full weight of the debt incurred by your pain. But you're not suffering alone. Jesus promises to be with you, to heal you, to give you something greater than what you lost. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says this. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So forgiveness doesn't minimize the hurt. But you also can't sweep it under the rug. If we choose not to forgive, the issue doesn't just go away. Now, we've all tried this, okay, for real about it. Let's be honest. We hope, maybe even we believe, that time will heal all wounds. But that's not true. Time actually increases the chasm between you and the person who harms you. It infects the wounds you carry, which spreads to your heart and soul if it's left unresolved. And the disease it inflicts in you is, is one of bitterness. And we all know bitter people in our lives, right? Is that really what you want for your future? I think most people who are bitter, they've never fully healed. And to fully heal, you must, you must forgive. Forgiveness is the only pathway to real healing. Acts chapter 3, Peter heals a man who can't walk, and then he begins to preach to the crowd. And in verse 19, he says this, Now change your mind and attitude to God, and turn to Him so He can cleanse away your sins and send you wonderful times of refreshment from the presence of the Lord. Some of you think if you forgive someone, that you'll be set free from the pain that, that you're going to experience. And while that is true, okay, there's a bigger miracle at work when you forgive somebody. God sets you free from bitterness. So if you never deal with that, that wound, if you choose not to forgive, bitterness will take root within you, and it'll, it'll have a pretty deep root. Like if you ever pulled out a plant from the ground, you'll notice the longest root is called the taproot, right? And if you don't pull that out, the plant actually will come back down the road, because as long as that taproot exists in the ground, the plant can return. Because the taproot digs deep, uh, where it can pull in moisture and nutrients from the soil without competing with many of the other more shallow root systems from other plants. So if you want to truly get rid of a plant, you have to pull it out by the roots and make sure that taproot comes out with it. Can I tell you, if you really want to heal, you must forgive because otherwise bitterness will dig a spiritual taproot into your heart and soul and it will corrupt you and drain the life out of you and consume you and it will in effect imprison you. And that's what choosing not to forgive does. It actually imprisons us. Don't ignore the pain. Don't choose not to forgive thinking everything's just going to be okay. Don't do that. And that leaves us with with only one other option here. We must forgive. We have to forgive. In fact, if you choose uh, not to forgive others, you will not be forgiven. Now, that's a really hard teaching, right? But listen to Christ's own words from Matthew, Matthew 6, 14. He says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
I, that, that, that's a pretty hard word to accept, isn't it? But forgiveness for a follower of Jesus, it simply is not an option. It's actually a command. And I know, that's, again, that's hard for a lot of us to take in. But I want you to think about it for a moment, okay? Like, we, we've been forgiven so much from God. He wipes out our sin. Our past, present, future sin, He deals with that when we say yes to Jesus. Our sin was responsible for Christ's death on the cross. Our sin caused God's judgment and wrath to be inflicted on His own Son. Like, our sin did that. And God just erases it when we commit our lives to Him. He washes that away. No questions asked. And you're going to tell me that you can't forgive someone who deeply wronged you after all that God's done for your life. See, God's expectation, and it's, it's, it's an expectation, just that, right? Is that we forgive others freely because He's forgiven us freely. See, forgiveness is freely received and given, and it's, it's rejecting our right to repayment and vengeance. It's our pathway to healing. It's a command for everyone who is a follower of Jesus. We must forgive. And so how do we do that? Well, the best example, and there's no surprises here, is to follow Jesus. And I want to pull some examples from the most painful moments he walked through during the last couple of days he spent on earth before his crucifixion. How did Jesus, with all the hurt and the pain and the offenses thrown his way, how did he manage to forgive in the final moments he spent here? Well, first, he, he trusted in God. And so we have to resolve to trust God with our lives and the people and situations surrounding the offenses that have been inflicted on us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the final night before he's crucified, uh, Jesus falls to his knees and he pleads with God in prayer. He says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 41. Luke says he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Forgiveness isn't about us and them. It's about us and God. It's about our trust in God, our willingness to forgive as He's forgiven us. It's about God walking with us through the difficult decision to forgive because that's His will for our lives. I, I just want to share this with you if I can. I think people can walk you through those difficult moments of forgiveness as well. Like we, we, We've got groups here at Radiant Church. They're starting up again here. Uh, at, at, some have already started. The rest are going to start up next week. Um, and, and while we have different groups uh, with their own focus, one of the main commonalities is they have a desire to connect with you and each other. Like When we're in groups, we form relationships and experience ministry and life together. And we need people who can walk with you through healing and forgiveness, like even forgiving yourself. And I just want to strongly encourage you to be part of a group here at Radiant Church this fall. Make sure you're plugged into one. Like, so, so we resolve to trust God. Yeah, okay. What else do we do, though? Well, we need to release unconditional forgiveness. Forgiveness goes without saying by now, right? But unconditional forgiveness, that's no strings attached, man. And that's hard to do. But Christ was able to do it. As all those who harmed him and inflicted great offense and pain on his life hours earlier uh, began to gather around when he's on the cross, Jesus says another prayer. He, he says this. This is also from Luke. This is chapter 23. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
Imagine that on the cross being Jesus and forgiving those who, who've put you there, saying, Lord, they don't have a clue what they're doing. Would you we forgive them for their actions, for their sin, for their wrong? And even after he prays that, you know what the crowd does? They just keep inflicting more harm on him. It's a powerful scene because in the middle of that great pain and harm that's being inflicted on his life in real time, Christ makes the decision to forgive. He had every right to seek vengeance. He could have called out heaven's army to save him and annihilate his enemies. He could have chosen any number of supernatural things to happen because he is God after all, right? But instead, he chose to forgive. He chose to let them off the hook. And I know you're going to say, well, pastor, he's God. It's a lot easier to be God. I know you're going to say that, <laughs> but let me share with you what the author of Hebrews has to say about Jesus. And I like how the message describes it. It puts it like this. This is from uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 17. It's obvious, of course, that he, this is Jesus, didn't want to go through all the trouble for, uh, for angels. Speaking of Christ's life and death and resurrection here. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter uh, every detail of human life. And then when he came, became God before uh, the high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help those where help was needed. There's nothing we will walk through that Christ himself has not walked through. And because he could forgive others who hurt him and inflicted pain on his life in a pretty powerful way, uh, we, we can too. So I said earlier, man, reconciliation, that's different from forgiveness. Reconciliation takes two, but forgiveness only takes you. Forgiveness is the first step. It possesses the willingness to restore relationships that are broken and severed. But, uh, you know, but I, I thought, you know, do this real quick for me. Do an exercise if you can. Take out a piece of paper, write it down, and then uh, write down all the things that, that God's forgiven you uh, of, okay? And then write down a list of all the people you need to forgive in your life. And I think you'll be surprised, uh, just you know, in your own soul, but be moved too, about uh, how you can forgive those who've harmed you when you do that. Third step, uh, return evil with good. Return evil with good. Even though he's suffering, Christ managed to still minister to those around him. There's, there's two thieves who are crucified on either side of Christ. And, and what does he do here with the one thief who recognizes him as God, who realizes his own need for forgiveness? Well, Luke 23, 43, Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. It's natural to want to inflict harm and seek vengeance, but through the power of God's spirit in our lives, we bless other people, right? We don't curse them. If we forgive, we don't fight. We love, we don't hate. Really important to remember here. Romans 12, 17, 21 says this, never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honest and clear through. Don't quarrel with anyone. Be at peace with everyone just as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Look at that. Leave that to God, for He has said that He'll repay those who deserve it. Uh, don't take the law into your own hands. We need that reminder here today, don't we? Instead, feed your enemy if he's hungry. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And if uh, in doing so, you'll be heaping coals of fire on his head. In other words, he'll feel ashamed of himself for what he's done to you. Don't let evil get the upper hand, but conquer evil by doing good. Two really important takeaways from that passage. Number one, you let God be God. We talked about this earlier, but God is the judge, you're not. Two, you overcome evil with good. 
We can do good for anyone. We can pray for anyone, right? That doesn't mean we let them back into our lives in a relational way. You need boundaries, but it does mean you can release forgiveness and you can set yourself free. So how, how do we forgive? We resolve to put our trust in God. We release unconditional forgiveness. We return evil with good. And here's the last one here. We rely on God to redeem. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples multiple times. Luke 24 captures one of those first occasions where he says this. Luke 24, 46. He says, yes, it was written long ago. The Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed and the authority of his name to all the nations beginning with Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent and you are witnesses of all these things. There's always a bigger picture that God's focused on. Your story is important, but it's just a part of the grander story he's writing. And because of that, God can set you free and create something good out of what was meant for harm. That sounds kind of ridiculous for some people, but like how can God create something good out of like rape or abuse or destructive addiction or any number of offenses that you want to add to the list that perhaps you've experienced? You know, whenever I struggle with the idea of forgiving people who've harmed me, I'm always brought back to the story of Joseph. Joseph sold as a slave by his own brothers. Imagine that, right? In one of the most powerful scenes of forgiveness in Scripture, at the end of his life, Joseph tells his brothers, Genesis chapter 50, verse number 19, he says, Am I God that I can punish you? So, so notice here real quick that Joseph recognizes that it's not his place to judge. It belongs to the Lord, right? It's God's. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. God can redeem any pain, any offense, any harm. He can heal you. He can restore you. He can use the experience you've had for the good of other people. I, I like this quote from Mother Teresa. She says this about forgiveness. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. And I wonder today, like, who do you need to forgive? For some of you, it starts with yourself. You haven't forgiven yourself, and because you haven't forgiven yourself, you can't forgive others. You need God to forgive you, but you need to be forgiven as well. You need to forgive yourself. Others of you, perhaps you're holding on to that pain and that offense. It's turned you bitter. Maybe, maybe it hasn't turned you bitter completely, but you can feel it, you know? And you, you, you know, man, because it's, 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 you haven't really truly honestly forgiven the person who inflicted the pain on you and kind of let it go. And before you leave, man, before you sign off, you need to make sure that you receive God's forgiveness and release that forgiveness from those who have hurt you, man. Let that stuff go. So how do I forgive? Well, it's one prayer for God's healing and God's forgiveness at a time. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.